Iowa everywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. John Miller, Chris Williams, from the Channel Seed Studios, it's Miller and Williams, presented by Wild Rose Casino and Hotel. Three locations in Iowa, three times the fun. You'd rather be here. This is Iowa Everywhere. Hello, welcome to Miller and Williams here on Iowa Everywhere, recording very late in the afternoon on Tuesday, October the 24th. My name is Chris Williams, joined as always by... John Miller. We are presented by our friends at Wild Rose Casinos in Clinton, Emmitsburg, and Jefferson. Have you ever been up to the one in Jefferson, John, and their sports? I have not. I haven't had that good fortune to do that. You'd love it. Like it's, it's like you're sitting in a Vegas sports book. The one in Jefferson. Oh well, I'm honestly. I haven't been to the Emmitsburg one. I've been to the Clinton one too, and it's phenomenal. For I mean, they do it. They do it right. Like it is absolutely legit. That's awesome. And they got great That's food awesome. too. Have you ever had the? You gotta have the cheese balls at the one in Jefferson. My God, I can't say that I've been life. to Jefferson. So unfortunately, I'm apparently missing out on Jefferson's cheese balls. He is John Miller. Show me a, I thought you were gonna show me a cheese ball. No, I don't. I don't have one on me, but I've I've eaten a bunch. When I was at Kicks, I know we used to do a lot of shows from up there. And gotcha. I would just get cheese balls and munch on them. Speaking of cakes, I know before we get into everything today, uh, my old buddy and uh, your old buddy, Andrew Downs from Cakes, I know, announced that he was leaving. Um, didn't give a lot of other details, but he he's leaving Cakes, you know, and uh, I think 15 years. I met Andrew actually when I would fill in for you and Dace in the mornings because he was your producer. And he was. That was when I... I mean, I was super raw, and I didn't really know what I was doing. If you guys gave me this opportunity to go, and I, but and I started like bouncing things off of AD because I needed a crutch. I wasn't good enough to just talk for two hours in the morning on on. No, nope, nobody is when they start. Yeah, morning drive, and Andrew and I developed a really good friendship through that. And then, of course, he was the program director when I was there for my eight years, and just a really good friend. I. I don't know exactly what's next for him, but I'm happy for him. It's it's good when you can go out on your own. Yeah. As opposed to being shown the door, which we all were about three years ago or so. So he's yeah. experienced that too, but I'm, I'm happy for him. I hope he's listening. I uh, love you, buddy. Great career. 
Yeah, he's he Andrew's a great guy. So uh, Andrew was working on the FM side uh, along with Greg Chance, who was on the FM side, and Greg did a number of things for the in that building during the day. And Greg came to Steve and I and said, "Hey, I'm, I've got a new board op for you." And uh, I want to give him a shot. And it's Andrew Downs. And I'm like, is that that little punk kid that like wears his hat sideways walking through the hallways, you know? And he's like, Say yeah, I'm like, okay, okay, whatever. So he comes in and I, I wasn't thrilled by it because I, you know, you get into routines, you know, this, you, you get a flow going with the team that you have. It's not just the on-air people. It's the people behind the glass that are doing all the work that just, you, you have that trust. So I was apprehensive and quickly Andrew just, you know, proved his worth. And, and still to this day, I, I laugh every time I hear it. So the, the episode back on December 9th or December, early December of 2009, I think it was the 8th and 9th when we had that huge snowstorm. The snow like episode, yeah. yeah. The snowmageddon episodes where Dace and I basically spent two nights at the facility. And Andrew came in one morning, Dace and I would spent there, and we asked Andrew what life was like on the outside. And he <laughs> said that, you know, it's horrible there are Kias littered about the freeway. And he said that exactly. And dude, I lost, we, Dace and I were slap happy anyway. We lost it. But every time I listen to that, it like takes me back to that really fun place and time. Kias littered about the freeway. You guys, Andrew's just, did that, you like shower down in that basement shower? Like, where did you, I'm trying to think of where you, yes, did I did. You just not shower. I did shower in the basement shower. Yeah. Dace didn't shower. Yeah. Um, he was, he was surviving on Vendo land food. Um, the, I've never seen someone so happy. Like I had, I had a spare toothbrush and toothpaste in my drawer, dude. It's like I said, you just won a million dollars. It was, it was rough, man. Figured you guys could be a little more prepared. Cause we, like Grubhub didn't exist back then. No. And There's, even if they did, dude, that was 15 inches of snow and 40 miles an hour winds. Yeah. And I remember that, There's that. nothing. Yeah, that I mean it was. We were like one more day away from full on Lord of the Flies throwing a window through the uh, through Vendo Land like they did on the Office that one episode. So yeah, presented by Wild Rose Casinos. Uh, we are in the Channel Seed Studios. Good podcast today, legends and listeners, uh, with Scott and Chad. I would encourage everybody to go listen to that for the more technical side of this this Iowa thing. Um, not thing, you know, the punt return, the the, the catch, whatever. John and I will probably be a little more opinion-based as how it's designed. Also, um, I'm doing a show, CW Pod, tomorrow, John. You'll like this. I've got a paranormal investigator joining me for the annual Williams Halloween episode. So I got right. Ghost Hunter coming on the program. That's Katie fantastic. Hopper, I'll, I'll listen to it. East, Eastern Iowa gal. She's She's actually like... Kind of like climbing up the ranks in like the the ghost hunting world, like for real. Like, like I'm the, not bullshitting people. Like she's really are there like power people. rankings. Like a is there like yeah. a, a, a she would be for ghost hunter? She'd be like um, Cincinnati. She just got the call up from mid major. Okay, you know, so she's really yeah. working up the uh, working up the totem pole there. So like good for her. Like I, she's great gal, and she's going to join me, and we're going to. So if you guys have any questions about the paranormal. Uh, feel free to tweet him at me at Chris M. Williams. And I have an expert that I am interviewing tomorrow for your Halloween needs. I may need to talk to her. The house we bought in May, uh, the bedroom that's right above our bedroom upstairs. I think I hear things up there. And um, unfortunately, the people, one of the people that lived here, th th let's just say there was I? some tragedy. There was some tragedy in the family. 
and uh, very sad. So, um, oh, I, I guarantee I, your house is haunted. Yeah, like literally the first day I was here, the first night I was here, I had to sleep here because we had our privacy fence torn down because we're getting a new one. And since there's a pool, I wanted to stay here so no kids would go back and drown and all that. So it was me laying on the floor in a mattress. And man, I heard a few things. So I just went upstairs and I had a conversation and I said, hey, you know what? Uh, We're going to bring some love into this house. We're going to love it. And uh, you're welcome to be you're welcome to be here if you don't have any ill intent. Um, so you're welcome to stay. I did say all those things. Doesn't know and if it, I was talking. To has it not. left you don't alone? Don't even know is if I believe it. Has the spirit left you alone? Yeah, I've never been. I've not been hampered. Uh, I've just there. Mary told me last week. I'm like, hey, were you up in the guest room like talking on your phone with your friends like ten minutes ago? She's like, no. I'm like, okay. Do you want to come no. on this show tomorrow? Um. <laughs> Three thirty. I don't. How much? Three thirty. Three thirty. I don't know that I would have a ton to add, but I'm not opposed to doing it in the future. I'd like to listen first. I'm still so a little actually, bit of a skeptic. Well, me and her are gonna. Um, we're getting it put together, but I'm gonna go do a hunt. Oh man, Van Winkle's gonna bring the camera. Uh, my buddy English, who's a who's got a band, he's got all this high tech audio equipment we're going to do some evp sessions nice film the whole thing nice there's if I was a spirit, out there I, in eastern iowa that katie's going to take us to that's super active and i'm gonna you know see what we can dig up you're gonna go see the dark angel in the uh, cemetery there in iowa city uh no i'm not not aware of that well don't because bad things will happen to you if you do and they happen in threes as you know so I didn't know if that was real or if that was like a play on the Iowa offense. I swear to God. Uh, like, you know I what? Now you that were... you mention it that way, it could be both. But the Iowa <laughs> offense is clearly the zombie raid offense. That is what Iowa's offense is. I There's thought no that's dark what angel. you were leading me into. No, there's for real. Google Iowa City Cemetery Dark Angel, and uh, I'm sure it'll pop up. The thing I learned about over the weekend was in Van Meter, the, like, the, there was like a monster that used to terrorize people like 100 years ago, and there's like a festival every year for it. You ever heard of that? What's his name? What's his name? The Van Meter something. I don't. I don't know. They're, and I okay. promise you, people are going to tweet at us and like yell at us because we don't know this. Well, I'm, I'm going to Google it. I'm getting this down to Google later. I'm going to get Google Van Meter Monster. Got it. No. So the guy I went to Vikings game with last night, uh, Adam Carper, like my best friend from childhood. He lives in Van Meter and was telling me about it. Like people come from all over the world. It's like this festival every year for this monster. It's like a one of those legend type things. Okay, I, I need to ask you a question. Like, you believe that all this stuff is real, right? Um, the phrase "all this stuff" is quite. Um, you're taking some right. liberties I'm not with that. Loch Ness monster. I'm just yeah. You're taking like you're taking liberties with all this stuff. Do I believe ghosts and the paranormal and like spirits are among us? Absolutely. Right. So you believe that and you don't have any trepidation messing around with them. No, I think if you're respectful to them, they're going to give that back most of the time. Now, my guy, Velisca Johnny, on- my, my guy, Velisca Johnny, he heads up the axe murder house there. Right. And he's got some stories like he's been physically like harmed. Like abrasions, bruises. Oh, yeah. He got thrown up against a locker over there at the Ferrar school one time. 
what's his what's his nickname? Velisca? Velisca Johnny, yeah. What well, right, the Velisca yeah. Axe Murder House. He's the he right, heads it for up. For sure. I, I can tell you something that would uh be on my resume as a former job, and that'd be overseeing the Velisca Murder House. Because there ain't no freaking way I'd set foot back oh. in after I was thrown up against the wall. So my dad used to fertilize it. And he's got all sorts of stories and stuff, too. But, yeah, there's there's a lot going on there. In fact, the legend no, at Feliska now is that it's barely even haunted because those ghosts are so tired of tourists bothering them that they've gone into, like, the na- like actually, you know, they live at Johnny's house now. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. No, thanks. No, thank you. I'll let you handle tomorrow. I'm I'm still not ready yet. I feel like it, it would actually be great content if you were there with me. Just oh, think about gosh, it. Sleep just, on it. Okay, let me. I'll think about it. I'll think about it. It's more of your type of show now. Like, I mean, that I feel like you would oh, ask you know, some really great questions. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll think about. It. I might not be able to come on exactly three thirty because I pick Mary up, but I can be home at three forty-five. So, hey Mary, I gotta get home invite, soon today. <laughs> What's that? Hey, Mary, we gotta we gotta hustle home today. I got I'm, I gotta I'm hustle home. I gotta talk about ghosts. Paranormal yeah, investigator yeah. with Williams. Yep. You could say to your wife, "Hey, you know that guy who I want to come and have stay at our house for a couple days." Yeah, yeah. We're gonna go and he's gonna, gonna this he's gonna stay hunting. up in the haunted guest room. Oh my god! I will get your house for you. This is perfect. Let's do it. Let's do it. You'll 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 be an experienced investigator by that time. We're in the Channel Seed Studios. I did go and walk through the Farrar Elementary School, which is like a legendary one. It's deemed one of the most haunted places in America by a lot of people. Nothing happened, but I went in daytime, so the ghosts only come out to play at night. Sure. Freaks come out at night. Everybody knows that. Uh, Freaks. <laughs> really enjoyed your... <laughs> Hawkeye Sunday pie. I had uh, I have more Iowa State fans tell me that was their favorite John Miller podcast they've ever listened to. It's the beauty of the network. <laughs> Love them or hate them, just listen. So, John, this is the God's honest truth. I'm I'm working out on Sunday morning. That's listening to your show, and I was doing a round of bench press when you did the whole. And if Deacon Hill is the best quarterback they can get, then they should all be fucking fired. <laughs> and I dropped the bar on me because I laughed so hard. It, it was just your delivery. Like the content was fine. It was, there's was nothing funny about the content. It's like you were talking like this. And if Deacon Hill is the best quarterback that Iowa can muster up, then they should all be fucking fired. <laughs> Oh, I don't know where great. that came from. I don't know where I think it came from it's deep just, within. It, you know, because I, like I said in the podcast, I was listening to you and Chris last week, both episodes, and you kept talking about how positive Chris was and how he, his paradigm had shifted and how you've been saying to Iowa fans over and over, embrace the stuck and suck, embrace who you are, blah, blah, blah. And okay, I get that to an extent, but. I did a post-game reaction podcast following Iowa's loss to Kentucky in the Outback Bowl a couple of years ago when they went 10-4. and four. They finished 10-4. and four. And I got done with it and thought, am I just the biggest, most spoiled douchebag there is? Because I was pissed. I've had enough of being bored to absolute tears 
by my favorite team. And I know I'm not entitled to anything from anyone about it. It's just that's the team that I grew up liking. And this is the team that I follow and have some emotional investment in. And to see what they, you know, this the game against Wisconsin, they at least ran the ball. Um, this week, I don't know what they were trying to do in the running game. They didn't really do anything outside the tackles, which makes me think their offensive linemen just aren't athletic enough, which is why they're probably not running outside zone and doing more uh, inside zone, pull, trap, power O, hat on hat, things of that nature. But it's just to, 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 to gain what was it in the second half? Like, I don't know, 18 yards or no, something horrible like that? Three. The first, it was like two that? yards or something like that. Yeah, I'm going to pull it up right near, right here so we they, have accuracy. negative three in the third quarter. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so in the second half, they had 12 total yards, okay, zero 12. points. They they ran the ball for negative eight yards. Uh, they were three of 15 through the air. So um, other than that, like as I said in the podcast, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? One to seven on third downs. Time of possession, eight minutes to 21. I mean, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's the worst I've ever seen. And I said that last year. I'm saying it again this year. And I'm just, me personally, I don't speak for the Iowa fandom. I speak for myself. I'm bored and I'm tired of it. Oh. And if it wasn't for me loving to go to Las Vegas with you, I'd really question why I'm still doing this. I'm not even joking. I'm not joking. I'm tired of it. It's boring. So and you're probably I not going to be doing Hawkeye Sunday next year. <laughs> Is that what you're telling me? We're, we're, we'll have a conversation. <laughs> um, to be determined. Let um, me, I can't I'll really do this pod- with Hassel and I don't have enough time to dig in. But this was my, it was not a problem. Like, this is what I kept like needling him on last week. And I wanted to bring it up to you because I think you'll think through it deeper than he did. Maybe. But like, when I watched that Wisconsin game, like you said in your podcast, Anytime you win at Wisconsin, you'll take it, right? Like that is yeah, it covers up a multitude of sins, yes. But like when I watched that game, it was kind of like, well, nothing really changed here. Right. You know, Wisconsin just sucks too. And you know, like whoever Wisconsin's defensive coordinator is right now, like, you know, I got real questions why they didn't just have 11 in the box in that game. Right. Like it, it yeah. and like what Fleck did. And and that was kind of my point, like that I probably didn't make well enough last week, but I was thinking like as a total outsider with no emotional attachment to this program, like really nothing changed in that win. It's just the, the circumstances allowed you to win it. Right. Like, I mean, right. you broke this one well, run. Right. And that and it was great. And you and Tory Taylor is awesome. And like you're always gonna have those games when you play this way. But the problem is when you do that, like for for winning that game, and it was, you know, you popped the one. Great. Right. And then the defense and special teams did everything else that it was supposed to. Well, if you don't pop the one, then it allows you to lose to a Minnesota like that. So like right. that's where I was kind of coming from. Like, okay, like you all right, Hassle, I love you, man, but you're being a little bit hypocritical here because nothing has really changed other than the injuries. That's a huge deal. Like that, well, like when you're when you're talking about expectations in August compared to now, massive change. I acknowledge all of that. But I'm just saying with this offense, it's like there's really no difference between now and two weeks ago. No. Other than exactly. the fact that this is another bigger thought that I've been really pondering. The when it comes to this offensive line talk, 
Could I make the argument, John? Because you've made it for 10 years. Why would a wide receiver come to Iowa? We're at the part now when you look at what McNamara was, and he was injured, so it's not completely fair. But why would a high-end transfer portal quarterback go to Iowa? Like, it, There's no reason to do it. Look at what's happening with this Caleb Brown and Seth Andrew. Why would a wide receiver transfer to Iowa? Like, I'll, I'll, Could I make the point, why would a lineman go to Iowa now? And hear me out when I say that. Did you read Scott Dockerman's piece a couple weeks ago about the predictability of Iowa's offense? Yeah. So basically, at the end of the day, the defense knows what's coming 80% of the time. Yes. It's inexact science, but that's that's basically what the numbers showed us. Mm-hmm. You know how hard it is to play offensive line when everybody knows what's coming? It's very are we difficult. at a point are we at a point now? where the offense is so inept that they can't even be good there because of the scheme. I mean, I would say, like, if you're a tight end, Iowa's is still pretty a good place to go. You got guys going to the NFL all the time. Right. But I don't know. Like, so you had Lindenberg a couple of years ago. Like, who's the next, like, big stud Iowa lineman that's going to be taken in the first round, right? Like, I, I think that they've stunted that position now. Am I out of line? Well, let's go. Let's go through it. L- Linderbaum. By the way, um, okay. Sorry. So you, ha- I just wanted to save you from getting texts. I heard you. Oh, say people are going to kill me for it already. Linderbaum. Yeah, right, right. So uh, Linderbaum, first round, two thousand two. Yep. Uh, two thousand twenty, Tristan Worfs. Yep. Uh, two thousand nineteen, no offensive lineman drafted. Two thousand eighteen, James Daniels, second round to the Bears. Uh, two thousand seventeen, none. Two thousand sixteen, um, Austin Blythe. Uh, it's just. We, we we think that Iowa has been this NFL lineman factory. And and again, there's been there's been guys that weren't drafted that have made it. I mean, the guy that's out with the Rams now, oh, I can't remember his name. He was just from several, about three or four years ago. Anyway, but they're not an NFL lineman producing factory per se. They're not bad. They're still holding their own, but it feels like that, that trend Alaric line Jackson. is drifting. Yeah, Larry Jackson drifting down into the right. And you make a good point. I don't know why anyone would voluntarily sign up to be a part of this offense. This offense is the worst offense in contemporary modern football, maybe in the last 30, 40 years. There are only two teams that Iowa is ahead of in the pass offense rankings. And those two teams explicitly do not want to pass. That would be Air Force and that would be Navy. Yeah, they, they're and designed to not pass. They're designed to not pass. So congrats, <laughs> Iowa, you're not dead last. But that's a huge caveat. This offense is so pathetic that Minnesota, who is hardly a world beater, said, we dare you to throw. We're going to send eight into the box. And when you are an 11 personnel, that means you're one-on-one everywhere that means we're susceptible to slants means we're susceptible to deep posts because we don't have any safety help it's cover zero essentially many downs iowa is unable to make anyone pay iowa doesn't even throw slant passes and you then have deacon hill who entered last week's game completing 38 percent of his passes and his completion percentage went down after last game he is dead last in the NCAA, of quarterbacks that uh, have had a minimum number of attempts relative to his completion percentage. He's dead last in the history of Kirk Ferentz-era quarterbacks who've com- attempted at least 30 passes 
relative to his pass completion percentage. I would beg for 2017 Jake Christensen right now. This is the worst I've ever seen. And as I wrote on, um, uh, I, I made a tweet the other day, wrote some things, said some things. I wrote for a 4,000 word column yesterday, which I haven't written that in a long time, that it feels like we're being gaslit. It feels like it's gaslighting. It feels like we're told one thing all summer long, and then we get here, and then we see something different. And it feels like I'm being gaslit relative to Deacon Hill and Joe Labus. Maybe Joe Labus is just not recovered from his soft uh, tissue injury. Maybe he's just ill-equipped physically to play, and Kirk's not saying that because there are HIPAA rules and regulations prohibiting from doing that. But if that's not the reason, I saw Deacon Hill with my own eyes. I have that recorded. haven't watched it. There was really no reason the defense scored two touchdowns. But Joe Labus is better at throwing the ball than Deacon Hill is. Every quarterback Iowa has had in the last two decades has been better than throwing the ball than Deacon Hill is. And I don't even like piling on Deacon Hill because all he's doing is doing what the coaches are asking him to, going in and playing. And I said that exact same comment about Spencer Petrus for the better part of the last year and a half, which essentially boils down to this truism. It's probably not the quarterback, even though Deacon Hill – is probably not the guy. It's not the quarterback. System, the system's dead on arrival, and no, there is no reason to come other than if you get paid a lot of money in NIL, and you make up a good point, had Cade McNamara been 100%, whatever 100% Cade McNamara looks like after the ACL surgery that he had last October, okay, there's no guarantee that we're seeing pre-ACL Cade McNamara, and had Luke Lachey still been healthy and Eric Hall been healthy, it wouldn't look this bad. Correct. I agree. But, this is what it is. This is a program that, to me, introduced the term next man in to me 20 years ago. I think that's been a long-term NFL you know, yeah. phrase, so I'm not saying Iowa invented it. But this is a program that's all about next man in. And if next man in is going to play like Deacon Hill plays and the head coach actually takes a bit of umbrage when anybody suggests Superior that you might want to be your quarterback, and then they don't make the offensive coordinator available to speak to the media in the bye week like they always have done, you're fucked. You're burning through your goodwill account at a record pace. And I really feel that if it weren't for some powerful friends in the Board of Regents, that there'd be a lot more heat going. Iowa also doesn't have an active uh, official athletic director. Beth Getz is the uh, interim athletic, athletic director. And I really only see, Chris, and I wrote this in my, uh, I guess you call it column yesterday, I only see three choices, three avenues for Iowa in this particular problem. One, Kirk Ferentz resigns after this season. That would be the cleanest thing. And I said back in May when you and I were talking, I felt that that's what was going to eventually happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Number two, if Kirk has a desire to stay and Beth Getz is named the permanent AD, um, and she, then she does not offer Brian Ferentz a new contract and says, and then Kirk says, well, that's who I want as my offensive coordinator and best as well. He doesn't report to you. He reports to me because that's how you and Gary brought up this loophole to get around the state's nepotism laws. And Kirk's going to say, well, I, I, I'm not going to coach then. Then I'd say, here's the number to our council. We can work on a buyout and a parting agreement. 
because it's going to be your choice that you're leaving. But Brian Ferentz will not be the coordinator. He reports to me. Therefore, he's not coming back. Because if Beth Getz does anything other than that, she has zero confidence from the Iowa fan base. Or number three, Kirk's desire to stay. And Getz does hire Brian for another one year based upon injuries and all this and that. And frankly, that's probably like the, the easiest way out for her if Kirk doesn't resign. But the easiest way out is most often not the correct way out, and it would be a huge mistake. I think this needs to end, and I hate saying that because I love Kirk, always will, but we're done here. We're done because this is what it's going to keep looking like. Yeah, and I'm I'm really – I'd love to talk to like a psychologist about the quarterback thing because like he made that comment in the postgame. I don't think we're insane. Right. Nobody does his words. And, you know, I was just thinking, like, is it possible? Is it possible? I I said this last year, too, when they wouldn't bench Petrus. And again, we both agree that the quarterbacks are not the problem, by the way. I was at an NFL game last night. The Vikings down, you know, at one point, Hawkinson was out. They were down their top two receivers, and you're watching them against a really good NFL defense and guys are wide open all over the field. You can scheme bad players into success. Look at what Leach did for however many years you can do it, especially in 2023 with the way the rules are, but that's, that's why Leach did what he did because it allows inferiorly talent, inferior talent teams to fight higher than their weight class. That's why he was in Lubbock, Pullman, Starkville. Right, like Leach didn't need to do that in Tuscaloosa, right? But even right. though Nick Saban's doing the same thing now, uh, it is it possible that Kirk Ferentz doesn't make quarterback changes just because he doesn't want to admit he's maybe wrong on something? Like, is it possible that we're at that point where? Of course, that's possible because that I believe really that too every bad. living, breathing human being has done that at some point in time. We all have pride and ego involved. So, of course, that's possible. And frankly, from an Occam's razor perspective, um, you know, it's one of the things that makes the most sense other than Kirk just absolutely being incredibly high on his own supply, making the assumption that everything that's worked before will continue to work again when the entirety of the sport has absolutely changed night and day the last five, seven, eight years. It's just different. And good luck selling that to recruits. I mean, defensive players will still come because Iowa mints millionaires, certainly in the defensive backfield. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, And and so the defense will probably continue to be good. But even then, you can go play on other good defenses and have chances to win conference championships. And I think the root of why I got so frustrated in the postgame reaction podcast isn't just about Minnesota. Minnesota game is symptomatic of what's coming, and you've been talking about this for a long time. Starting next year, the way Iowa has always done things and continues to do things right now with the worst offense in the modern era, it's going to be worse. I mean, good luck winning six games in the new Big Ten. Now, they do still have Wisconsin and Minnesota and Nebraska as their protected rivals. 
And you'd like to think that you can win two out of three most years, but I don't know that I'd guarantee that because this offense keeps getting worse, which means the teams that you're, you've been better at are going to be closer to you and you're playing with that very delicate margin and you're not always going to win 80% of one-score games the way that they've been doing uh, seemingly in recent years. It's the going to get a lot harder. Yeah, it's just the formula worked 10 years ago, 15 years ago. The yeah. formula doesn't work now. No, it doesn't. Because when you run up against powerhouse programs now, as opposed yeah. to 10 years ago, here's the last four times they played a really good team. This year, Penn State, 31 nothing. Last year, number four, Michigan, 27, Iowa, 14. It was 20 to nothing midway through the third quarter. The Iowa was never in that game. Ohio State, 54, Iowa, 10 last year. Then, uh, then the Big Ten championship game, Michigan, 42, Iowa, 3. That's the reality. And I don't see Kirk changing doing the things that need to be done because we've already heard that Cade McNamara has said, and this can change, that he'll be back at Iowa next year. So that's another year with a quarterback who will not move the sticks with his feet. And in today's college football, to have statuesque, concrete shoot quarterbacks is a fireable offense. They're dead. They're not coming back. It's not the nature of the way the game is going. And Iowa has Always had that with the exception of Brad Banks. Drew Tate could move the chains. C.J. Beathard could move the chains. But since then, it's been like this desert of concrete. Mm -hmm. And that's what they've already signed up for next year. I just, I am not interested in seeing the same shit all the time when we know the results in advance. And Iowa State fans may be listening to this saying, well, gosh, you keep winning eight, nine, ten games. That's great. You've said that. And I'm telling you, I'd rather go seven and five and eight and four you know, that, most been, years. That's been my opinion in the past. But like, I'm looking at the future now, and like, I just you. And I, I'm not being disrespectful, Iowa fans. I'm not twisting the knife here. I swear. The Big Ten West is as bad as it's ever been. Absolutely, so like, it's maybe this the like division. Hassel says this brilliantly that the Big Ten West has been its own worst nightmare because they can all do this stuff against one another and still get their bowl game bonuses right like but that's all gone now and, and yep. that's where i've been kind of like hitting that guys this this has to change because I, I get it and you're probably gonna win eight games this year or whatever that number is nine games i don't know but like when this thing becomes regular and then next year like it it's coming next year you watch washington and oregon play you know like even usc it's like they're down but right now they would be a 20 point favorite over Iowa. Like uh, down is a kind of a wrong way it's to relative. put that. If Caleb Williams is there. But yeah. like try but going up to... against that offense, you know, you thought Purdue was bad the last couple of years. Try and going up against those offenses consistently. Right. Right. That right. Jeff Brom could scheme you. You don't think that they've got, I mean, there's a lot of good coaches. <laughs> what do you think Lincoln Riley's going to do? I mean, it's, 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 and they obviously aren't playing all those programs every year. No, so but. I still think that I, I mean, Iowa could limp to four or five and s maybe six wins in some years, but that's the term. It's limp. It's not entertaining. And it's, I, I don't know how many people have reached out to me since Sunday that said, I'm only watching because it's like a lifetime obligation. It's just what I do. It's what I grew up with. I have fond memories. It's nostalgia. That's where I'm at. That's the only reason why primarily I'm still doing it. Be interesting um, to see how ticket sales go in the off season. 
You know what? I I don't. I this to me is what used to piss me off about being a Cubs fan, and I've always been a Royals fan, but I also liked the Cubs for a number of years because they were in the National League. And um, Wrigley Field is I felt for so long was the worst thing that that happened to the Cubs is this this desire to go for the party and just yeah. go hang out in the bleachers and don't really give a shit if the Cubs win because you got drunk. Listen, I was one of those guys. I loved mm-hmm. going out there. Didn't care. Mm-hmm. Sometimes didn't even know what the score of the game was. There are people that for whom those seven Saturdays are sacred. And you know, they're the same at Iowa State. Going yeah. and meeting and hanging out with friends and that camaraderie and those close uh, d- relationships you develop, those are real and meaningful. And I don't blame anybody for doing that. So I don't know that we're going to see tickets, season tickets, because that means giving up those seven Saturdays with your friends. I had a high level, not Iowa State, full disclosure. I'm not going to name the name, though. Uh, a high level D1 basketball coach and I were talking recently about Iowa football. And he says to me, which I just, I'm not being critical here of anyone. I just want to put it in the mind of so fans can understand like where the coaches come from. He goes, I actually think what they do is brilliant from a coaching standpoint. He goes, I would never watch it if I was a fan. He goes, but for, <laughs> for them to be able to do it this way and everybody thinks you're an idiot and you still win nine, 10 games every year. He's like, I admire that. So like when I put myself in the ferret shoes, they're sitting, they're sitting around Thanksgiving dinner and they think we're the idiots. Because they're like, well, you morons are all you do is run your mouth. And then here we are on a New Year's Day bowl game again, because that's still a big deal to Kirk Ferentz. I'm sure he's old school like that. But they, they think we're the idiots. But they're selling out season tickets every year. They're still winning game, right? Like, I, I thought it was fascinating, though, that another coach put it that way. To well, me. it's it's it. It, it's a de- it's a preparation departure. It's why Tom Davis's teams after Roy, BJ, and Eddie left. I think they finished eighty seven and eighty five in the Big Ten games cumulatively over the next ten years. The last ten years of Davis's reign, and they didn't have talent that was five over five hundred during that time. But the system and scheme that they played, the full court press, the way that they went at things, that allowed them in the regular season to punch higher than their weight class. I think it's very similar to Fran McCaffrey. His talent, when you look at the sum of the parts, it's not great. They don't. Iowa hasn't had a McDonald's All-American for a couple of decades, uh, maybe closer to three now. I don't know if Chris Kingsbury was the last one or not. But because of the way they play, it's a different preparation. It's a departure in preparation. And they, you know, they've been four seed, five seed, three seed, six seed in the Big Ten tournament when I don't think that they have that level of talent commensurately. But then you get into the NCAA tournament when you're playing against teams that have better guards than you do, more athletic guards than you do, you're dead. Same thing for Iowa. When you go up against Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, as of late, you're dead. You got no chance. Add Oregon to the list, add Washington to the list, add USC to the list. They're dead. At best, Iowa is the seventh best program, at best, in next year's Big Ten. At absolute best, and you can make a case for them being eighth or ninth. And, you know, maybe we are the idiots because ultimately they do play these games to score more points than the other team. <laughs> and and Iowa has been you, man, doing it's that. Changing. The, and and this is it. I'm just bored to tears by it. Really dangerous. To me, Deacon Hill out there throwing passes makes me think when John Licklider checked in the basketball games Mm, in serious, significant situations. This is like, no thanks. 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Dangerous to do what we're going to try and do in the next 10 minutes, but I wanted to pick your brain on this, and I've been thinking very deeply about it, everything that's going on in the Middle East. And if you're uncomfortable with this, if you don't want to hear John and I talk about anything other than sports, then you can turn the show off right now. Um, I... You know, I, I was pretty disappointed, I guess. I, I wasn't surprised, just the polarization of the Israel-Hamas thing. Um, the left and the right in our country where you've got these people being killed and our politicians are using it as an example to tear each other down as opposed to actually come up with a constructive solution to this. There, there's usually not... You and my, You and me have a lot of opinions, right? It's what we do. You more so than me. <laughs> um, with this deal, John, like I, I don't know what the United States doesn't matter if it's a Democrat or a Republican in office doesn't matter. I, I I don't remember a time, John, where I've ever felt more like there's no there's no good solution here because you you have this ally in Israel who we protect. It's what we do. You know, and it goes way back and there's all sorts of stuff to it. Again, we can't fit it in in 10 minutes. So you you have to protect Israel. You have to stand by their side. We all acknowledge that. But then on the other hand, by, by doing that, you're even if it's not true, like it's not when like when Joe Biden and the United States stand up by Israel, it's not like they're purposely giving a middle finger to every Muslim in the world but they can use propaganda to construct that right to make our uh, enemies hate us even more and it by by doing that it makes us look like we are that cuz they're framing us as terrorists right even though it's not true that's not what's behind it but that's that's how it's being framed what a bad deal like i and i i just kind of wanted to talk through it here cuz i'm more of your everyday guy like i don't you study this stuff like you're you're really into it. I don't know the history as well as you do. I did take a lot of classes on this. I had a double major in political science and obviously did a lot of this. But I've just been thinking about it, John. It's like because if you if you go the other route, which and this is what pisses me off so much about being an American right now, it's like because the far left will, you know, if you if you stand up for Israel, then they call you, uh, you, know, you, you get it. You guys, you guys all who are listening understand where I'm going here. I don't ever know if in, in my life, since I've paid attention to this stuff, if I've ever seen a more of a lose, lose situation for the United States and just everything that's happening right now. Cause I have a hard time looking at everything that's going on and, and like, how do we avoid something major? here well yeah to to try to find the solution on how you can avoid something major um did that ship set sail you know probably 1948 but many years before that 
you had a people who, you know, had been uh, not had a homeland. Um, the Jewish people not had a, a homeland for themselves for centuries and centuries and millennia. All right. And this and, and there are many people in this country who believe that the land that Israel currently occupies belongs to them, that it was their their birthright, so to mm -hmm. speak. And that belief comes from the fact that uh, the God of Abraham uh, told Joshua and others to go down into that land that I promise you, this land of milk and honey where the Canaanites live and kill every man, woman and child. And that will be your land. And that is what I've promised you because I've made a covenant with you as crazy and sadistic as that sounds. There are a number of people that believe that. But if anybody has a claim on the land, it's the people that occupied it before the sky God told everyone to go down and kill those people. Put that aside for a second. The last 400 years prior to 1948, that basically was lands that the Ottomans controlled. Uh, not not quite before 1948. The British colonizers came in and overthrew the Ottomans back in the earlier part of that century. And they made a deal with, let's just say, the Palestinians. Let's call them that for lack of a better term. They made a deal. Hey, help us overthrow the Ottoman Empire and we'll give you these lands and these will be yours. But a few decades before that, there was a movement that was beginning to start in Europe and it spread to the United States because the United States is always going to be sympathetic to Israel because of this cousinship and religiosity. Mm -hmm. And that movement's called Zionism, that we needed to find, the world needed to find a parcel of land for Israel to call their own. And then the events of the World War II and the Holocaust really sped that up because, of course, what happened to the Jews at that time is are unspeakable atrocities that nobody, no one can hold up as any type of virtuous. So the Muslim world has been feeling that the Western world has been giving them the middle finger for over a century now, dating back to the deal that was brokered and then broken by uh, the United Kingdom, which they have. Uh, a history of doing such things that's longer than any nation uh, on this planet right now and maybe only uh, exceeded by the Roman Empire in antiquity. The, the colonization, all the ills that came from that are deep. This is one of them. And people talk about a two-state solution. Well, I don't think that's going to work. You talk about what happened when they first drew up these maps, the Palestinians were forced out of their homes. They were forced out of their lands that they had been occupying for hundreds and hundreds of years. There are people still alive today in Palestine who were evicted from their ancestral homelands back in 1948 because the UN governing bodies that they paid no taxes to, that they did not view and recognize as being sovereign over them, they just had more guns. And that is a... That is something you cannot cure. And then the last 15 years, what's happened to the Palestinians? They've been crowded and pushed more and more, more and more down into this little Gaza Strip mm -hmm. that most people have heard about all their lives, but they've never investigated any of these things that I'm talking about. And now you have over 2 million people, over half of them children, living in an area the size of Philadelphia, essentially an open-air prison. They can't get aid or, or travel freely by boat by vehicle or by air because the Israelis don't want them to. It is a full-blown apartheid state. And it is horrible what Hamas, Hamas is not Palestine. It is horrible what Hamas did two weeks ago. It's unspeakably horrible and it's indefensible. It's equally horrible that over the past 15 years that 
Israel has cured the number of deaths on one side or the other is more than 10 to 1. It's just that there are unspeakable things happening to humans on this planet in that region on both sides. So, yes, you can be sympathetic to both sides. And because just because I'm disgusted at the history of all this uh, and, and, and disgusted with Netanyahu as an authoritarian, it doesn't make me anti-Semitic. I'm just as disgusted with what Hamas has been doing to, uh, you know, innocent Israeli citizens. There's no call for any of that. And you know what? I think that anybody who says that if you are supportive of Palestinian children and giving aid to them yeah. is an anti-Semitic position, then fuck you. That's my you thing. Any more just, clear than that. I just uh, we have to end this because I got to take my daughter to choir. <laughs> But like, I think it's a good way to end it on what's just bothered me so much is, and I always hit on this, it's just a lack of nuance and gray area and everything with our American politics these days. You can acknowledge. Nobody, we can acknowledge skin that, deep. Nobody knows yeah, those things. We can acknowledge that we're going to support our ally and that they have a right to retaliate. And we can also acknowledge that Hamas does not represent just general Palestinian people. It's no, a none at all overly radical, hateful terrorist group. Call it what it is. And they did yep. horrific things to these Israelis on October 8th. Like call it what it is. That's right. But like our, the way our country is now, it's just gotta be one or the other. And it just disgusts me. You know, when you watch yeah. this, yep. anybody brutal. that says, I don't know. I don't if know how these things They'll happen. say, though, if you're not like 100%, like if they will say, if you care about these Palestinian children or the aid thing, they'll call you a Hamas sympathizer. Or, yeah. right. And then the other way, it goes the other way, too. And if, the, and, the, and if you're a person who's like, we absolutely need to stand up with Israel and support them and in all these different ways, and, and there is major national interest there with Iran and all this other stuff going on, there's way more goes into this, but then those other people will say, well, you know, you're a, you're a child killer. You, you know, like it, which that's not true either. Like we just have lost this ability in this country to just have conversations. And I, I think it's we been have. really bad the last couple of weeks. And I just want yes. one of these, you know, and I, Biden doesn't really count because he's the acting president. I would love one of these GOP like to just step up and, say this is a really tough spot you know um <laughs> this is why we train like that I, I my my thoughts and prayers are with joe biden to make the best decision possible for not only our country but all the right like it doesn't have to be well he did he's a fucking idiot all right like it i don't know it for, for it's for, it's 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 four legs good two legs bag orwellian 1984 stuff and and i don't stand with israel I don't stand with Hamas or, or, you know, per se, the Palestinians. I stand with loving people who want to just live their lives and pursue liberty the way that both of those religions purport to profess. But in actuality, they do not live that life out. And we also see it in this country a great deal. Love you, brother. You too, man. We want to do a lot of these talks on Miller and Williams and John's if football come keeps over. going this way. This is all I'm going to do. If football keeps going this way, this is all I'm going to do. <laughs> God, Iowa needs to win. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's John Miller. 
I'm Chris Williams, and I've got to take Cammy to choir. That's why I'm cutting him off. <laughs> Otherwise, we probably could have gone another two hours on this. We'll do it again. Uh, John may, might be joining me on the Ghost Hunter pod coming up later this week in the well. Appreciate Wild Rose Casinos in Jefferson, Clinton, and Emmitsburg. And signing off here from the Channel Seed Studios. Iowa everywhere. Thank you.